Let's pray and we'll get started. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. Father, it truly is a blessing and a privilege uh, to know that because of your son, uh, we have a we can have a relationship with you. Father, we know that it wasn't because of us, it wasn't because of anything we've done, because you loved us and you and you loved your creation enough to provide that access to you. Father, thank you for that. Help us this morning as we study about you and help us, Father, as we worship you this morning that it will be a, in, a, in a way that, uh, that will truly honor and glorify you, that it will lift you up to the, to the people around us, and, and we know that it will be an edification to us as well. Father, we, uh, we pray for as we start this, this series on, on First and Second Timothy. Father, as we, uh, as we read the things and study the things that Paul wrote to this young preacher and, and know that so many of them are, are so applicable today, and we just pray, Father, that you help us to learn and grow Help us to apply these things so that we can be the very best we can be. Help us to understand, Father, that many of the things that Timothy's going to go through are things that we are challenged with on a regular basis ourselves. Maybe in a different way and different parts are different, but we struggle with them as well, Father. And I pray, Father, that you bless us as we study this, this uh, series and help us to learn and grow from it. Thank you so much for it. Thank you for everyone that's here. Uh, thank you for for all of our visitors that are here this morning. And we pray, Father, for those who can't be here this morning for one reason or another. And, uh, and many of them are sick. And we pray, Father, that you help them to get better quickly. Thank you again for, for loving us and thank you for bringing us here. And it's in na Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, okay, we did kind of a, a, a prelude to this last week. We did kind of a background of what was going on here and who this guy was. I'm not gonna really rehash all of this, Come on, guys, we got we got seats right here in front. You can sit right here. You'll be right there. Can't get him to come up here. Anyway, uh, Timothy is a young preacher that followed Paul on Paul's second and third missionary journey. Okay? Paul, and you'll see in, in verse 3, we'll get there in just a minute. Uh, that Paul has left him at Ephesus, okay? He's left this young preacher at Ephesus, and we'll see why when we get to it in just a minute. Uh, Timothy, was a, whose mother was a Jew, and whose father was Greek, and we looked at Acts chapter 16 and some different places in Acts where, where he meets him uh, at Lystra, and when he's there, and, and he... Uh, uh, and like I said, I'm not going to rehash all of it. Go back and, and read, read the book of Acts, and you'll find out where Timothy comes from. But Timothy is a, is a valued part of Paul's ministry, and you'll see that here in something he said, and we're going to talk about it some. Uh, but I want, you, I want you to know that, that first off, you know, I'm going, to read, I'm going to read the first three verses, and then we're going to talk about a couple of things here that I want you to see. And, uh, and I want you to see how, how important this young man was and how... And we looked at last week how confident that Paul was in him. We looked at some text in, in 1 Corinthians of, of how the, this, this young man has, has all of Paul's confidence. Uh, where he's sending this, where he's leaving this young man is, is a, uh, is a hellhole. I mean, just in no, I mean, it is a, it is a, uh, it's, the church is there. There's a congregation of people there, but the things around it are, are awful. Awful, and he leaves this young man there, so he must have every confidence in this young man to leave him at Ephesus the way he does. But I want to—I want to read the first three verses. Let's look at it, and we'll look at a couple things here. 
It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our Lord, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. All right? As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrine any longer. I'm going to stop right here because there's some things I want you to look at. First off, what authority, and this is something we looked at when we, if, you know, some of you have been my Galatian study on Wednesday night. We looked at the same thing here. You know, he says, I'm an apostle. I didn't go on my own. All right? I wasn't sent by some band. God sent me. How much authority does that give to Paul when you start to look at his stuff and you start, and for these guys who, uh, who you know, especially for Timothy, because remember, he's not writing this as a letter to the church. This is a letter to a young man who he says in verse 2 is my true son in the faith. And we'll look at a couple of texts of how he feels about this guy, all right, when we get there. But, but you know, I wanted you to, I want you to look at, you know, think about Paul is an apostle. Paul is called by God. We know from Acts chapter 22 that he said that, well, I want you to, go, I want you to turn over there. Turn over to Acts 22 for just a minute. I keep forgetting. I'm trying to just separate my class on Wednesday because we've been doing the same thing on Wednesday because he says the same thing in the first couple of verses. He, had, he starts the, the, the book of Galatians the same exact way, you know, giving himself credibility, giving himself authority by his apostleship. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but apostle is one who's been sent out by someone. And he said, I wasn't sent out by people from Jerusalem. I wasn't sent out by Peter. I wasn't sent out by God. I was sent by God. God sent me. And I want you to look at what he said in Acts chapter 22. My mistake, Acts 26. My mistake. Look at Acts 26. Now, this is, this is, uh, this is, uh, 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 this is Paul, before, hold on a minute. I'm going to do something before mine does the same thing. <laughs> it's one thing if y'all's does it, but if mine does it, oh my gosh, it'd be awful. <laughs> and I've had that happen before. I was preaching one time before time, my phone went off. And it didn't do that, it rang. <laughs> And I and I was thinking those people are probably thinking that must that better be God calling. <laughs> those, those people in Fort Fan are they are they are uh, they're old school, conservative. They're they're sticklers. Anyway, look at what he said. Now he is he is relating his story of conversion to Agrippa, in, in this text. And he says in verse uh, fifteen. Uh, uh, well, we're going to start in verse 12. Well, when we, on, on one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and, com and commission of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the gold. Then I asked, why, who are you, Lord? Jesus, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What does he tell Agrippa that where did his commission come from? Jesus told him. All right. Now that that may not mean, but when you look at, and you're looking at in a in a culture we have today where people say, well, the Bible's no longer relevant. These guys are no longer relevant. What Paul said, he said to a dead generation, we don't have to listen to this stuff. 
you just ask yourself, if Paul, if God sent this guy out as an apostle and he wrote these things and you find these things that he wrote and he says in 1 Corinthians 14 that I want you to know that everything I wrote were the commands of the Lord. That means what he wrote to Timothy, what he wrote in Corinthians, what he wrote to Ephesus, what he wrote to every place was the commandments of the Lord. That's very significant. Now, how much of what he said has credibility and how much authority does he have in, in 2,000 years later in my life? How much should I look at it and say, you know, maybe I ought to pay attention to what he's saying. You know, how, how much of that is is, uh, is credible to you? Tell me. I mean, it has it has authority. I mean, the, okay. the whole reason why we hold the Bible to be a, a standard is because we've given okay. it the authority that it, it deserves. Now, for those of you who are visiting and y'all sitting way back there, if I start repeating things that people said, it's because the people online can't hear you. Okay, and so if you say something back there, I may repeat it, and that's for them. To, they can hear pretty much all this right in here, but they can't hear back there. So that's why I have to repeat it. So just, uh, just for your sake, uh, I think I think that that uh, you know if 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 you if you're driving down the street and a and a car with lights on top and police written across the side, okay. And you're driving, driving 70 miles an hour in a 40 mile an hour zone, and he comes up behind you. Does he have the Does he have the authority at that moment to turn his lights on and stop you? That doesn't mean he's going to, but does he have the authority to do that? Absolutely. I don't have the authority to do that, do I? I can put lights on my car. <laughs> I can dress up with a big old badge on my on my chest. I can even put a gun on my hip. But I don't have any authority to do that. Not by the state of Texas, not by the United States, anywhere. I don't have the authority. But he has the authority to stop you. That's his job, is to, is to protect and serve and to enforce the laws of the land. Is that not true? Yeah. Paul comes on the scene and says, I'm a, an apostle. God sent me. Now, automatically, our ears are to perk up. What is he going to say? You know, because, because there, is a, there, is a, there is a twist out there. there is, it, it, I, I have seen it in the church. I've seen it here where people believe that God's word don't matter no more. Doesn't matter. The word they use, no longer relevant. How come? Well, because it is a, it is a, that is a dead culture, and we have grown past that dead culture. Are you kidding me? No, no, they weren't kidding. That's what they believe. And that, that, that mindset has permeated our society. Somebody asked me the other day, I think yesterday morning, and you know, I think it was Brian, I think, asked, if, you remember, if I remember right, he said, why did this happen? And I said, I said, because of Satan, because people don't believe in God anymore. They don't believe in the Word anymore. They don't believe any of this stuff anymore, and because they don't, that Paul's apostleship don't mean anything to most people. It has to mean everything to us. Has to. You understand why I'm, I'm not trying to beat you on this, but, but I want you to understand the rest of what he's going to say, because he's going he's gonna to clock us, man. There's going to be some things that he's going to clock us because we're doing some of the same stuff he's going to jump on and, and say, you got you got to challenge these people. And you're going to find that it's going to be all in your world. He's going to get all in your business at some points in these two letters. That's why it's so important that we say, okay, where's it coming from? Did God tell us this? And is God trying to tell us this today? Do I, had I better listen? Okay. Now, he goes on and he said to, in verse 2, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Okay. Tell me... Uh, Tell me what 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 that phrase would mean to you, my true son in the faith. 
What does it sound like? Paul converted Timothy. Paul converted Timothy. Why is that important? I think it. I think it's everything. Yeah. But why? Why, from your perspective, why is that important? Yes, you know Timothy some authority. Okay. All right. As a son. Okay. He's in the faith. Okay. I, I, and, and we're going to look at a couple of texts. There's more, even more than that. It's, it's more than what it says here. This, this, this led me. To, I, I, I got, I got to see what else he's saying here. What, what has he said about this kid that, he, that he's alluding to here, and why is this so important? And why would he, have, why would he let, leave this, this young guy, this young twenty-something preacher in this cesspool? Because that's what it is. Uh huh. He has a pure heart. He has a pure heart. Okay. I have, I have, uh, I have, have, have had the privilege of being involved in a lot of people's conversion. Okay been on one end of it, been on in the middle of it, been in different places. And I'm telling you, when you take someone from nothing, you take them from way over here and you and you and you work with them and work with them and you watch them grow and you watch them convert and you watch them change and you see that you see the the uh, the, the the you know I had somebody call me the other day and, and was and I'm and I'm going, man, this is this is amazing. And most people wouldn't understand that. But Paul has a has a relationship with him that came because of that conversion. They have been that close. They've been so close. It is like a father to a son. It absolutely is. And if you've not experienced it, you can't understand what an evangelist goes through when they when they have that experience and there is a there is that 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 like this. And the pain that's involved when that when that falls apart. So I want you to look at a couple of texts. First off, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, just one verse we're going to look at here. And then I'm going to go, and we're going to go back to Philippians and look at something in Philippians. Now, I can't just read this one verse. So I'm going to have to read a, a text here, a little bit of a text. So I want you to, so you can see what he's saying and why he's saying this. We're going to be in verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. And this is about Paul, this is about Paul and Timothy. Okay? What, what is he saying in chapter 2? I mean, verse 2, he said, when he says, my true son in the faith. Look at what he said. I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I become your father through the gospel. You see how he feels about the people he's converted? How he feels about the church of Corinth? And then, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Now, what does he say about Timothy? He said this. He said, I want you to imitate me. That's why I'm leaving Timothy. That's why I'm leaving Timothy. He said, look at what he said. He said, for this reason, I have sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love. How does he feel? You, you couple that with what he said in Ephesians chapter, I mean, in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter chapter 1, verse 2. And he said, my true son, and here he said, I love this guy. This is my son. I love him. I don't think they could have a relationship closer if they, if they were biological. I think that's what he's talking about. I think that's what Paul is saying. And then he said, he said, who is faithful in the Lord, he will remind you. He has been so close to me, he knows exactly when I say I, you need to imitate me because Paul tells him, he said, you imitate me as I follow Christ. He said, you follow me as I follow Christ. So he has to be pretty confident in his lifestyle, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say? For you to say something like that to somebody, you'd have to be pretty confident in your lifestyle, wouldn't you? Seems arrogant, doesn't it? But not for someone who's been a witness to Christ on the road. 
sense. Not for somebody like him. And he said, I'm going to leave you Timothy. I love him. He's like a son. He's going to remind you of my way of life. I know he's going to tell you the truth. This is, this is amazing. This is amazing statement, what he said. Now, I want you to look at Philippians chapter 2. And then we'll be through jumping around. Now, this is at Philippi. He's writing a letter to the church at Philippi. He also helped convert them. Remember Acts chapter 16? You know, it's about the Philippian jailer. Remember that? When he, him and Silas are been beat up, put in prison, and, and they're singing and praying, and, 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 the, and an earthquake comes and knocks the door up, and the Philippian jailer is going to kill himself, remember? This is one, Lydia, the seller of purple, is a Philippian. She's at Philippi, all right? There's a, there's a strong unit of church there. And he says, and he, so he's writing to them, and listen to what he says in verse 19 of chapter 2. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him. Uh-oh. Now what does he say? I love him. He's my true son. And there's no one I have with me like him. Who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with a father, he has served me within the work of the gospel. Now what does he say? He said, he has been in the trenches with me. He's been in the cesspool cleaning out the sewer tank with me. He's been, he's been on the road with me, walking. We had no food. We had no water. We had nothing. You go to 1 Corinthians, and he said, and he says all the things he's been through, how he's been beaten and shipwrecked. No, Timothy was there. Through those two journeys, he was there. So how much confidence does he have in him? All the time. How much confidence should someone have in you? Should there be, should you be someone in somebody's life, or should you be, should you be a husband and a wife together where they have every confidence in you where this is the relationship instead of husband and wife? Should that be what we aspire to here? I think so. I think absolutely. I think if we don't, I think we're amiss. I think if we don't, if we learn anything from this, we learn, can it, is it possible for me to have a relationship with someone that where they're like a true son to me? I have a relationship with my son who's sitting right there. There's another one right there. Two of my sons are here. And we are father and son. Okay? We have that relationship. We love each other. But one day, we are no longer going to be father and son. All right? One day, we're going to be brothers. Standing at the feet of Jesus and, 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 and enjoying salvation. That's the, that's the relationship we are looking forward to okay but while we're here now can our relationship be deeper than than a uh than a father to a son can your relationship with a husband or a wife be deeper than a husband to a wife can your relationship with a friend or someone that you converted can it be deeper should it be absolutely 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 on all three fronts we have to remember who we are who bought us and who we belong to and here he's telling, he's given us, he's given us a, a sign. Hey, I've got a relationship with Timothy, and I love him, and I have every confidence in him. Well, I think we should aspire to be the Timothy in somebody's life, don't you think? Yes, ma'am. 
in verse 25, he talks about Epaphroditus, mm -hmm. like a brother. Yep. So the relationship of the father and son is a little different than brother than brother. I didn't I didn't even go that far, but Epaphroditus is another one he sends. He sends with Timothy, mm -hmm. all right? Mm -hmm. And he says Epaphroditus is, is, read it again, what does it say? But I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier. Doesn't call him a son, does he? Doesn't say I love him, does he? It says my co-worker, my brother. It's different. See, you know, when you're when you're working with people, you're going to have a different in the church. You're going to have different relationships with different people. Some people you're going to have a really close relationship. You know, Robert there has been studying, and John and Catherine have been studying with with Cole. They're going to have a relationship with Cole that they may not have with you, because of the of the dynamic of the of what's going on, right? You know, I know there's teachers over there right now. That are, that are going to have a relationship with your children. My my little grandson, TJ, he loves his Wednesday night teacher. He loves her. Vicki Trial. He loves her. Man, he, now I said, who you teach? He said, Miss Vicki is my teacher. He loves her. You know, he's going to always love her. You know, I mean, it's, it's, that's the, that's what happens within the framework of the church. And he's just trying to tell us, hey, I've got that with this boy. Timothy, and I have every confidence in him. Now let's move on. Look back at 1 Timothy. Look at verse 3. So we got some, I, I was mistaken. I am going to jump some more. We are going back somewhere else. So, uh, Verse 3. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus. Now remember, he's talking to Timothy. Not talking to you. He's talking to Timothy. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus, so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer, or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than, than advancing God's work, which is by faith. Now, let's stop right here because we're going to spend some time. I want you to understand what's going on in Ephesus. How many of you know anything about Ephesus? It's the center. It's the center of the worship to the goddess Artemis or Diana. It's, it's perverse. If you know anything about worship to false gods and what they did in the pagan world, uh, uh, when you, uh, I've got to clean this up, okay? I'm going to try to clean it up. Uh, they worshiped Baal and Asherah. Asherah. She was the goddess of fertility. When it says in the Old Testament they cut down the Asherah poles, do I need to draw a diagram of what that was? Do you get a sense of what that was? Yep. Y'all thinking, uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. That's exactly what it was. Okay. Do I need to go farther than that? Are y'all still not getting it? We got it. Okay. <clears throat> that, that worship to false gods had permeated into the culture of the Greek world and of the Roman world. And it was and and it was pervasive. And so when they went in and started converting people in Corinth, let's say, what did they do? That's why the, the letters to Corinth, you can't take those as what are we going to do today? Because they were talking to a group of folks then who were looking at this stuff and saying, Oh my man, we they were they were they were, they were uh, there were women taking on the forms of men, men taking on the forms of women. Maybe we can't talk about it today. <laughs> but those letters were addressed to them and talking about cutting hair and stuff. This was things that the pagan world was doing and they were bringing that pagan ideology into the church. Do you think that would be a problem? Yeah. Yeah. It was a problem. Okay. And that's what's going on here. And that's what went on in Ephesus. That's the thing because it was the center of that worship to that goddess in that, in that place. Very, very prominent 
very well-to-do place. And I want you to turn to Acts chapter 19. Now, my suggestion to you is read this, read Acts chapter 19 through its entirety. All right, I don't have time to do that. So I'm going to read you just, just a blurb of it. All right, just a part of it. We're going to, we're going to look at uh, 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 19 and verse 8. Now, Paul has gone to Ephesus. He's, he's, in, a, he's in a missionary journey. That's where he's gone. And he's going to start teaching them about Christ, teaching them about the gospel. And remember, he has still got... He still got these Judaizers that don't believe in Christianity, they don't believe in Jesus, and they're following him around causing problems, okay? That's not going to be the issue here yet, but that's that, but look at verse 8. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way, so Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. And it got so, there were so many miracles going on that even a handkerchief that, that Paul would touch, if they took him to someone, it would heal them. That's how, that's how God was working in Ephesus. And it went south. Now, look at, look at the next, uh, uh, look at verse 23. Now, a riot breaks out, okay? Let me, I'm going to read you what happens here. About that time, in verse 23, there arose a great disturbance about the way. Now, this is what Paul is teaching. They call it the way, the truth, the faith. That's what, he's, that's what they call it here. And he said they broke out because what Paul is teaching them is they need to come from their old life and come into this new way of life. Very difficult. We talked about this Friday night about uh, because I had a question from, from Matthew chapter 8 in my class and it was talking about let the dead bury their own dead. We know we understand that it means spiritually dead people you know are gonna are gonna be doing spiritually dead stuff. You know it doesn't matter. But we talked about what does it cost to follow Christ? What is it going to mean? And one of the most difficult things that people have to do is walk away from their families. That can be very difficult to walk away from from the error of what you've been taught and to walk into something new. That can be very difficult. One of the most difficult things that you, that you'll ever do, and what Paul is, what this what this way is talking about is you have to come to Jesus, and sometimes family members don't have a come to Jesus moment. Okay, if you didn't have that problem, I applaud you. Thank God you didn't. Thank God you had all the all the benefits. I did not have that situation. My situation was different. I had to walk away from a family, and it was the most difficult thing I've ever done. But you know that's what's happening here. And they call them to walk away from lifestyle, calling them to walk away from jobs, calling them away from family members, calling them to walk away from whatever. And they're having a tough time. And here, and listen what happens. About that time arose a great disturbance about the way a silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis. Okay, you got you got a sense what Paul may have been telling him, telling them. He said he called he. Uh, uh, let's see where was that. He brought a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together along with the workers and related trades and said, you know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in, in, and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. Oh, my God. 
You see a problem here coming? You see a you see a cataclysmic event coming? He said that uh, he said that God made by human hands are not any gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited, and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. All right. Wait. Do you hear the argument? Do you have any problem with this argument? Other than it is wrong to to, to sell these shrines and things. If if Artemis is such an awesome, powerful god, why is this one knucklehead going to cause her to lose her divine power? But if you couple this with what they've been watching Paul do and what God's been doing, they ain't seen Artemis do none of this stuff. You remember when the Philistines captured the ark? And they took it back to their palace, and they took it back to the to the, the, the palace with the statue of Dagon in there. Remember that? What happened? It falls over. It falls over. Yeah, they put set him back up. Next day, fell over again. You know, and then and then God empowered them that they all they all had all kinds of issues that came up, health issues and everything. And finally, they what did they do? Made made little replicas of these health issues and sent that thing back to Jerusalem. <laughs> sent it back. We don't want this thing nowhere around us. We're sending that thing back where it came from. Because when God starts che starts checking in people's lives, okay, you're not going to mistake it. When he starts changing people's lives, you're not going to mistake that it's God working in someone's life. You know, but I'll also understand that Satan is going to reach in and stick his hands in this stuff just, just as quick. Because the one thing he doesn't want is for you and I to start changing and going back to God and going to where we where we are supposed to come to. And you can pretty much bet every time that, now I've, I've watched this over the last three or four months. Satan must be really scared of us. He must be in what we're doing. Because it seems like every time that we make an inroad in somebody's life, he, he sends, he's, there's some kind of upheaval tragedy that happens in their life. Thankfully, most of them said, you know what? Tech with him. I'm staying, I'm staying on track because this is the right thing to do. But I wanted you to see, the, and so, so what kind of culture do you think, if you're in Ephesus at the time, and they got this big upheaval, and like I said, you got to go read all of Acts 19. But if you got all this upheaval, what do you think the culture's like in Ephesus in that time? What do you think it's like? Tell me what you think. Yeah. The same as Jerusalem. Same as Jerusalem. Yep. Christ went to the temple. Yeah. He messed up all the money. Yeah. Right. They didn't. They didn't like it much, did they? No. Yeah. Same things going on here. Yeah. What do you think the What do you think the culture? What do you think the conversation is like on the street corner in in Ephesus between the average folks? <laughs> what do you think that conversation is like? Pretty much like before the flood. <laughs> yeah. Do you think there? Do you think there are people? You know, we get a political season. People start talking, and if they're going to talk politics, what do they do? Somebody's going to end up on one side, someone's going to end up on the other side, right? And then what happens? What happens then? You what you learn? Don't talk politics with people. <laughs> right? Why? Because what's going to happen? Arguments happen. Tempers. Tempers flare. People get in fights over this stuff. Nonsense stuff. Stuff that don't matter nothing about nothing. You know, but that's what happens. And what what's going to happen here? Same thing. You don't think there's some followers of the way trying to defend Christ, defend Paul, defend the church, and you think there's not people that are coming after them? <laughs> Man, I've had family members come after me. 
I've had family members come after me and call me all sorts of unkind names. You know, had my own brother come after me. You know, I mean, if it happened in my in my lifetime, don't you think it was happening there? There wasn't the great police force that if somebody slapped you in the mouth, you could call and say, hey, I've been assaulted. You know, nobody cared. You're following the way. You're an isolated individual, isolated group, and you're a cult and a sect anyway. I've been called that as well. You know, it's okay. I'm just saying, if it happens to us, what do you think it was like there? And who's there in the middle of it? And Paul said, I thought it'd be a good idea to leave you there. <laughs> I'm thinking about Timothy. You're kidding me? Are you kidding? Did you see what just happened here? I think that's called on the job training. Yeah. <laughs> it's called sink or swim. <laughs> yeah. Linda said, I think that's on the job training. Excuse me? <laughs> I would rather not have the job. I, I, I'm serious. I'd rather not have I remember Booty Pearson coming to me one time, and I remember where I was. I was standing right in that hallway over there, right by that door, that, by that hallway that goes this way. I was standing right there. And Dwayne Wheeler came up to me and said, man, I got something great, man, something you'd be perfect for. Man, it'd be awesome. You can do awesome. I didn't know Booty Pearson. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what he was about. Didn't have any idea. And Booty walks up to me and said, and Dwayne said, here, I'm going to let you two get acquainted, and walked off. <laughs> About a year later, we pull up to the county jail, the, the, the foster field part over there. Sunday afternoon, we're going in to teach, all right? We're going in to worship. We're going to sing, and we're going to worship, and we have we have a like a 15-minute class that, that we do, and we pull up, and Booty Pearson said, so what are you teaching today? <laughs> I said, excuse me? He said, what are you teaching today? I said, I'm not teaching. He said, oh, yes, you are. <laughs> I said, no, you don't understand. He said, no, you don't understand. <laughs> and if you know Booty, and many of y'all know Booty, <laughs> you know what I figured out? Just go do it. <laughs> You're not going to win this anyway. And I stammered and stuttered and, oh, it was awful. Come outside and Booty said, man, you did awesome. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. You're trying to butter me up for next time. That's all you're trying. I got your number. Yep. But you know what? You know what? You know, I went to the jail for 17 years. And I studied with a lot of people, sat on a concrete floor with bars between us. And it was all because Booty had that kind of confidence in me. And was willing to throw me to the wolves when I didn't think I was, I was, I didn't want to be meat. You know? I mean, Howard Good went for a while, and there was a conflict in that in that in that tank where they put us, and and, and two guys got almost beat to death in there, right in front. Howard was underneath the table because you couldn't get out of there. You were locked in, and the guards couldn't get you out fast enough. This was a Ephesus is a dangerous place, okay? Just because we don't have any record of people dying there, people died there because of what these what they believe, and he's he's dropped Timothy into this place. I wanted you to know what it was like for this young man and what he's going to, look at what he has to do. Look back at verse three and four. Look at what he said. He said, I urge you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus. He said, I urge you. He said, man, I'm, man, you're going to be great. You're going to be awesome. I, and I get this picture of booty in my head. <laughs> Talking to Timothy and I'm Timothy. And I'm going, okay, all right, whatever you think so. You know, I'll do it. You know, and then all of a sudden you see Timothy's, I mean, you see Paul's taillights going over the hill. And you look around, and there ain't nobody there, and you're alone. That's not even fun. Yep. And so Timothy is Timothy is is a and he and, and he said, 
He said, so that you may command, command certain people not to teach false. Wait a minute. You have you have no credibility, all right? You have no support of a Paul behind you because he's gone. He left and left you there. And he said, I want you to command certain people. You understand there are people out there, you don't command them to do anything. You understand? You don't command them to do anything. There are people out there that uh, that that had, I mean, you know, I can remember things that happened in the jail that when Richard and I were there, you know, we got locked in. We got locked in. They forgot about us. We were locked in that jail. We were locked in a run around. And couldn't get. We could. And the, and the, when the guards called, they didn't come. When the guards called, and finally they re realized that our names were still in the book, and they came and got us out about an hour later. You know, you know, you don't command anybody to do anything. It's all, you know. But but he's told here. He said, "I want you to command these people." That means, you know, stringent words are going to have to be said to these people. And he said, "And God's going to help you." He's going to help you. He was helping Paul. And he said, command certain people not to teach false doctrine anymore. We we don't, golly, man. <laughs> this class got away from me. I'm sorry. We're going to have to pick this up next week because it's already, you know, your kids are going to be coming down the hall looking for you. <laughs> I didn't realize it was already 20 till. Sorry, guys. We're going to pick it up right here. So if you want to hear what happens here, you need to come back next week. If not, watch it online because this thing's online. We put it out and it'll be there for forever. You can watch it. All right. Thanks, guys.